Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Nosebleeds podcast, presented by Old Row Sports. I'm your host, Montana Rep Alden. We got Wisconsin Rep Nick Watts, Gonzo, and Old Row Koozie all with us today. We got a jam-packed episode. Today we'll be discussing the return of the MLB, putting Coach K on the hot seat, talking our best tailgate moments, and much, much more. We got a great show for you today, so sit back and settle in for the Nosebleeds. And we're back on the Nosebleeds podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Montana Rep Alden. We've got Wisconsin Rep Nick Watts and Old Rokuzi with us here, talking a little bit about what's going on in the MLB. Uh, looks like they're the owners and the players are finally uh, coming close to an agreement. What do you guys think? Yeah, so it's it's great that they finally agreed on that 50-game season um, and obviously gave them prorated salaries, which is good for the players, good for the league. It's going to bring in a whole new – I don't even want to say generation of fan, but just a bunch of people that weren't watching baseball before. And it's just exciting to see because we're finally going to get some American sports back that in, and I've, I've lo- I love soccer. I love Bundesliga and I know soccer's coming back soon. And I know golf will probably be coming back soon enough. We've already had a few golf, you know, experience or golf games going on, especially with the, the tiger, Phil Brady and, and, and Peyton Manning match. But you know, it's just going to be good to have one of the four major sports back. Uh, and I know, that obviously, it's going to take a little while. They're probably going to have to do a little bit of spring training, but it's it's glad. I'm happy that the owners finally stood up and, and did the right thing and, and just pay the players what they deserve. Because well, at the end of the day, hold on, this just Nick Watts. They're have they've not come to an agreement. First of all, the owners. This is their first proposal that is actually somewhat reasonable. What they offered was prorated salaries for 50 games. The players have been. You know, they've wanted a longer season, you know, uh, as long as 114 games with prorated salaries. The owners were willing to offer a longer season with substantially less money. Um, and they were kind of like 82 games with prorated salaries, maybe a sliding scale. Uh, the owners offered 50 with full prorated, but like at the end of the day, that's as much money as they were offering for a longer season with a sliding scale pay base. So it's not like I don't think this is going to be what actually winds up happening. I think we're going to we're definitely going to get some pushback from the players. They're going to want more games or. Well, no, they're just going to want more games, like essentially. Yes, Sportsnet's reporting right now. They're saying that the players are likely to reject that proposal. So, I mean, it's going to have to be some kind of a middle ground and it'll just at that point be, you know, how long it takes them to reach that, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, so my, my, the, my, my, my main point was just that I was – I'm sorry. I should have clarified that. I kind of came in too strong. But my main point was at least they're taking a step in the right direction instead of just completely shunning the players, which is what I really expected. I really thought, thought the player, the owners were just going to say, hey, fuck off. Go take the summer off. We don't care about you because, you know, the owners aren't – the owners – they only care about the power and the control over the players, in my opinion, as opposed to the well-being of the players and of the fans. So I'm just happy that at least there's some 
counteroffer that occurred. And I'm sure they're going to reject it, but at least it's something. Yeah, it's a starting point because, uh, you know, it's a tough situation because when you look at it, I saw, I think it was like 40% of the league's revenue comes from ticket sales. And when you don't have fans in the seats, you know, that makes it tough when it comes to, you know, uh, justifying full salaries uh, for the, for the players. So I think that it's certainly a thing that they're going to have to discuss, but I'm just ready to have baseball back because getting up at three 30 in the morning to watch the Korean league is getting old really fast. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not, I don't even watch that thing anymore. I mean, I maybe watched one game, and it was just – I mean, I think I saw Eric Thames up to bat, that Brewers, <laughs> former Brewers outfielder who had one good season. for Eric Thames. Eric Thames, my bad. That was very American of me. I should have known that. But either way, I was like, yeah, this is just not it. Simply not it. Uh, I think – yeah, I mean, I honestly, they, what if they – speaking of soccer, what if they kind of moved – I'm surprised that American sports, like after this whole, I wouldn't be surprised after this whole lockdown and quarantine if they just moved to a kind of a soccer style of paying players, which is they pay them weekly, where it'll be like a couple hundred thousand dollars a week. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad idea, but in in, in the world where we're never, we're not quite sure whether th- when things are going to start or stop, might not be a terrible idea. So, I think uh, the the big issue here is. The MLB is running out of time because the longer this goes on, the closer you get to winter, and then you basically just have a you know, like half half the baseball teams will have parks that like you can't play in in November, and you know if it comes to that, and if you know if you're pushing the season towards September October ish, and playoffs are going to be in November, that's problematic. So the sooner something gets done, the better. I'd like to see like a, a little middle ground. I think 82 games basically split the season in half. That's great. But I do kind of love the idea of a 50-game season because I saw a great tweet today, and it was basically about uh, weird things that happened in 50-game stretches last year in baseball. Uh, well, I probably should have had that ready for me. The Mariners, Either way, though, the Mariners would have been like the top team in the, in the league last yeah, year. Yeah, like, like dude, teams, <laughs> teams can get hot in a small sample. Like, I mean, hell – if you're like a lower market team, whatever, I, I'm calling up, you know, maybe some of my top prospects who, you know, you wanted to nurture them a little bit more, but like, hell, 50 games, like we can do it. If Especially if you come out of the gates, like 10 and two, 38 games left. Hell, like, why not us? You're in a pretty know? good spot. Yeah. You know, you don't have to think about, well, we're 10 and 150 games left. We're 10 and two and there's 38 games left. Like, we can pull this shit off and you know, we might be seeing some weird divisions based on uh, where teams are playing like location wise. I don't think we're going to see your standard, like since, you know, the six divisions with five teams, I think uh, just based on Corona and hot spots and stuff like that. Like, I don't think the Yankees are going to be playing in New York. So it'll be interesting to see like no home field advantage, short season, or some of these teams just going to flat out go for it, which I would, for an entertainment like perspective, I would love the fifty game season, but would, I just can't see the players going for it. It would also solve a lot of the MLB's problems right now, which is the fact, as as you kind of said, touched on it. Look, the 
one of the reasons why football is so popular and people watch game after game after game is because every single game matters. And that's the biggest problem yeah. baseball has is that not, not every single game matters. And if you lose, if, as we know, you can go on streaks of 14 straight wins. You know, you can go on tons of winning streaks and you can go on losing streaks. But at the end of the day, it's like one game you're going to say, and like, oh, no, like Giants lost, whatever. We'll get him again next like next time because it's only game 20 of the 162 season. So that would honestly solve a lot of their problems. And also, the way things are kind of lining up, too, if baseball had – baseball could conquer the entire summer. They could bring all the attention to their sport if they're not, you know, interjecting with basketball on one side and interjecting with in football on the other side. If they just take those three summer months and really command it, that would be great for the sport in my opinion. Well, and that's that's kind of what I was getting ready to touch on. You know, Kuzi brought up a good point that they're kind of running out of time. And, you know, that, that is a good point because you can't tell me that baseball is going to be able to compete with the NBA and NHL playoffs when they come back right into the playoffs. Regular season baseball won't compete with that from a rating standpoint. And those leagues look like they're coming back, you know, early to mid-August. So baseball, they do need to kind of get their season rolling or else they're going to be kind of uh, – the, the odd man out when sports come back. Also, I don't want to hear that every game doesn't matter because the 2018 Cubs, my team, uh, we lost our final regular season game to drop us into a tie with the Milwaukee Brewers, which forced a one game to determine who would win the division. We lost that one game, which sent us into the wild card, which we then lost to the Colorado Rockies. So literally any one of those games at any part in the season would have prevented that. We went 95 and 68. I think we had the second best record in the national league and uh, yeah, didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, well, technically I, I we get did, what you're but... saying, but that's just, that's such saying, an extreme but like, scenario. Nobody... But yeah, that like, is... nobody cares. Like you can, you could go on a four game losing streak in baseball and like, it's not that big of a deal. If you go on a four game losing streak in football, your season's over. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, Apples and oranges. Like, you can't compare those two. Like, I get I get what you're saying, but, I mean, it's like going – if I go on a four-game losing streak in football, it's like going on a 25-game losing streak in major – or, you know, whatever. The point stands that, like, it's uh, – or, no, it would be a 40-game losing streak if you lost four in baseball. But either way, my point being that I don't like the whole – not every game matters because yeah, for the top, the very top, the very bottom, it doesn't, but that middle ground, dude, every game really does matter. And I think, you know, for the non baseball fans, 162 games, people lose sight of that, but uh, I'm, I'm very much a baseball purist and I, I enjoy every game and I game one counts as much as game 62 does or 162. If he flips his bat, you better beam him on the next pitch. I <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that kind of hard. I like, I like people having fun. I think that is good for the game, and I think that's good for like trying to get young kids like into it. You want like, I want people pumping their glove after a strikeout. I want people bat flipping after a like 450 foot home run. Like, have fun with it. When Yasuo Puig guns a guy down from 300 like 50 yards out or feet out, I'm all about that. Like, he goes wild. I love that, like, enthusiasm. Give me the passion. 
Yeah, I agree. My my favorite baseball moment all time is Jose Batista's bat flip in the playoffs. I I don't think there's a better sports moment than that, in my opinion. That's that was sick. My favorite moment is when Jose Batista got rocked in the face by Rudinetto Dor. So <laughs> there you go. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, but I will say what I so what I kind of like. I did tweet go viral with that picture, and I said when they ask you. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like when they say uh, guacamole is extra or something like that. I don't know. It was dumb. But people <laughs> like was, that it, one. It was 2016, simpler times or whatever the fuck it was when guacamole yeah. jokes were the, the side of the street. But either way, <laughs> what I like silver lining of this whole, you know, lockdown and, and coronavirus, what I do kind of see and I kind of hope that the seasons actually stick to it is if we see a baseball season obviously it's too late now, but like starts in June ends in August. We see a football season that like starts like late August, early September ends in February. And then we see like an NBA season and NHL seasons that start at Christmas. Because what I always think is for the, I always, I, I love, I love all sports really, but I'm not watching an NBA or an NHL in the midst of football season. And they start it way too early. Like they should really just cut down games Focus on the spring start at Christmas and end in like early June. And I think if we got all those sports in sync, it'd be a lot, a lot better for each sport and make, make every fan care about that individual sport more. So they're not constantly. That's one of the hardest. Yeah. That's one of the hardest things for me is when playoffs for the NBA and NHL come and they're literally at the exact same time, like almost down to the day, like we're, they're starting like within a couple days of each other and you have to decide like which playoffs you want to watch. I mean, that's kind of, that sucks. I mean, I wish that they would, if at least one of them would kind of move their timetable around so that playoffs weren't being uh, like interrupted by other playoffs. Yeah. I I think it's the best of both worlds. You got it all. Dude, for me, I had in 2015, Warriors were in the Western Conference Finals. Sharks were in the Stanley Cup Finals, and literally, I think that they were playing at the same time. So it was just, it was just, I couldn't want. I had to choose. I chose the Warriors, obviously, because you know they had a better chance of winning that year. Um, but oh, winner picker. I'm from fucking San Francisco. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, but I really think the the hockey stuff really comes down to Batman. I don't think Batman's a good commissioner at all. I mean, I, I think though, I think Silver is a good commissioner. I'm not quite sure about Manfred. Goodell obviously sucks, but Batman's probably one of the worst. And dude, the guy I don't think just there's does not know his schedules. Well, I think Adam. I think Silver, Silver's all right. I think he's good. Well, Adam good. Silver definitely like he knows what he's doing. He he's yeah, like exactly. a very progressive commissioner. Aside from that, though, I mean, Manfred, Batman, and uh, Goodell, like any diehard fan of one of those sports would argue that their commissioner is the worst. Like we, all three of those guys are incompetent in their own ways, but yeah, you know, I mean, Manfred's looking pretty bad after that debacle with the, with the Astros. I don't know that. Yeah, but dude, he got off the hook. He got off the hook with Corona. Like, yeah, Corona saved him. Dude. Also the Astros, nobody, does anyone even remember that the Astros cheated at this point? Like, yeah, no, I, it, it's, I, it's, it's I haven't thought so about sad. months. Like, talk about the greatest time to have a scandal. Like, the Astros are going to roll in and people are going to be like, wait, didn't they do something that pissed us off? Like, 
I, I, like, I, I know they did, but I can't remember what it was. That's literally what it's going to be like. But no one's going to be in the stands to say anything about it, so who fucking cares? Like, kudos yeah. to the Astros. The thing that's you could gonna... make a case that they intentionally started coronavirus just to, you know, avoid the windfall. Well, and I mean, they were getting beat up pretty good because they were getting, like, beamed with the most pitches in spring training of, like, any team by, like, a factor of five. And they so, said I no mean, more. Maybe they were just trying to protect themselves and they created COVID. <laughs> yeah, they said no more. Houston lab, they probably had all those fucking bats flying around in their labs. and they, they Dude, they hit, a, they hit the red button. Like, it was one of those things where, like, two different guys across the room had to turn keys at the same time. And, like, <laughs> to release boom, the cope, yeah. On. Wait, what? I, I'm trying to think. Have there been any, any other scandals that have been slid under the rug during this entire thing? Because there, there must have been that. Like we were really, we really cared uh, about before all this stuff. Other than the Astros, there's definitely well, been something else. I mean, I still don't feel like the Epstein stuff got its full attention, but that had already kind of died down beforehand. Um, yeah. it's coming back up. Now, yeah, though. the new doc is good. I'm trying to think though. I, I think. The Astros are definitely the biggest like beneficiaries. Uh, I will say people are ready to slap an asterisk on Liverpool's Premier League title, even though we have the biggest lead in Premier League football history uh, and literally have no chance of not winning the league. Knock on wood. Wait, you know who exactly? I know it's, I'm, I just thought about this. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Rudy Even though Gobert, it was Gobert. corona related, he definitely like is so far removed from even like I mean yeah. up up until like a day before he was diagnosed, like pretending to touch the microphone Dude, and, like cough. That was so agree. And then it's like Rudy Gobert test positive for coronavirus. It's like <laughs> he's like, Oh, oh, look at this. This is so stupid. Oh, I'm rubbing all your mites. <laughs> it's like, wow, dude. That and then all his teammates. That was him. honestly one of the funniest things I've ever seen, though. Like, luckily, yeah, you know, everyone was fine on the team, so we can joke about it. But, yeah, big LOLs I, there. It's funny just because I've never met more. Of, I've never seen more of just a royal asshole in my life than Rudy Gobert. That's how, <laughs> clearly, he was, like, going around kissing his, the players in the locker room. If that guy, if that guy was doing that, and then I, I would probably never. If I was like Donovan Mitchell, I would never talk to Rudy Gobert again in my life. That is maybe just one of the dumbest things I've ever. It's it's funny, but just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. In my I mean, life. I don't get how he hasn't been traded after that. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know how you would be able to play with that guy afterwards. Yeah, and I heard that like all of his teammates like weren't even speaking to him for like weeks. Yeah. I mean, luckily he's in Utah, and so I feel like all those players are just kind of like I, I. I always just assume all the jazz, like the players in the jazz, are just Mormons as well. Like they just convert as soon as they get there. So I, just, I feel like they just like <laughs> they're just like kind of forgive him, and they say, okay, we'll soak and make up, and uh, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Keeping on with basketball, Nick, I got to get your thoughts on this. Looks like uh, like Zion's on the hot seat. What's going on there? Yeah, so essentially they're, they're, he's going to have to sit down to, with a judge and uh, under oath at, answer a bunch of questions uh, about, you know, obviously Zion Williamson received benefits. I mean, it's 
it's been well known and well documented that Duke is just that pay, pays all their players. I mean, every NC. Don't get me wrong. Every single basketball program in the NCAA pays their players. It's just the fact that Co- I. The thing that bothers me the most is the fact that Coach K is so anti it because he knows the minute that it becomes legalized, he's going to lose his control in the sense that he can't control the players and pay them underneath the table. He's going to have to compete with the other colleges and compete with their offers to these players. And the thing that really bothers me is he hides under this cloak of morality and he says, oh, we should never pay the players. Like, the players get a fantastic education. Like, anybody that pays for players are just the worst humans on earth. When we all know, I mean, you don't just get the top three recruits in the country with a good smile, you know? And so I... I, I know I knew this was gonna happen. I'm sure at the end of the day, look, it's it's a good old boys club, especially in NCAA basketball. If you're all those coaches like Coach K, Coach Cal, um, I'm trying to think Roy Williams, Roy Williams, like all Fuck those Roy Williams, P- yeah, oh, Patino, Patino too, even though he's disgraced <laughs> nah, now. Rick Patino oh, is pretty bad. Yeah, too. Rick Patino kind of he he kind of separated that from that, but um, yeah, Izzo. All the Tom Izzo has been like Bo, uh, charged multiple times. With how that. about Bo? Come on, Nick. You're not immune to it. <laughs> oh, fuck Bo Ryan. Yeah. No, we actually, we've, I mean, every, they've, they've looked into it and they've seen that pretty much every single college program has had some sort of, you know, paying a player scandal or any sort of scandal. Not like Forrest. I'm just, <clears throat> I'm just happy. No, didn't you guys? Nope. I thought you guys had something. Okay. <laughs> no, dude. Sure. Um, but either way, I'm just happy that the bell's finally going to toll for Coach K because, man, that guy deserves it. I just think he's such an asshole the way he goes up to players and he patronizes them after he loses a game. He'll be, he'll go up to the opposing team like, hey, son, you played a great game. Like, you should be really proud of yourself. I mean, that's just so so patronizing and so annoying. I just – I'm happy that it's finally going to come. All right. I hope. I hope. That I happens hope that's like – happen. that's happened like three times ever. First of all, I think Coach, too many times. Coach K that's is one of the times. goats. I'm not. I mean, I hate Carolina much more than I hate Duke. I'll always pull for Duke over Carolina, and I have mad respect for Coach K. And I tell you this right now: nothing's going to happen. Absolutely nothing will happen. No. Carolina right, right. made up classes, classes that did not exist, so that players could graduate <laughs> and stay eligible. Julius Peppers, when he was at Carolina, I mean, took a bunch of classes that literally didn't exist. God is in all of them. They didn't do like they didn't do anything to Carolina, dude. You think they're going to do something to Duke? Not a chance. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I was I, just saying. I. I mean, I think that's like one of the biggest like hoaxes of all time is that the a lot of these players are student athletes, especially the ones in college basketball that that are one and done. They go there in their freshman year and then they're gone eight months later. I mean. To me, that's like the biggest joke is to call a lot of these kids like student athletes when, I mean, you know, they got people taking their tests for them and doing everything they can to keep them eligible on well, the team. What's bullshit yeah. is they make examples out of the smaller programs. Like SMU, we've been hit. In, I mean, we got the death penalty, the only program ever to get it in football and the only program that will ever get it in football. They literally took like killed our football program, a top 10 country or program in the nation. For two years, they just took it away. And that's to be basketball. Okay. They hate us too. Like, those are the programs you're like, hey, Duke, Carolina, look what we're seeing to these. Look what we're doing to these guys. Like, 
Better watch your back. But they did know where their bread's did buttered. You see what, did you see what they did to SF Austin? The team that actually that, that um, upset Duke early in the season? Well, they they based they gave him as close to a death penalty as possible because of the erroneous certification of 82 student athletes. I don't even know what erroneous certification means. And they just basically took him down for a couple of years. They make like 50% of of their the revenue comes from basketball and they just took it all down to make an example out of them. And it's just so unfair. Dude, the NCAA is a corrupt organization that is solely focused on making money for itself and they will only enforce rules to people that doesn't hurt the bottom line. They don't care. Well, and you look to it like at like some of the, the consequences sometimes it's like stripping past championships so and stuff. And I mean, that is just like, that's so, I mean, like we all watched Louisville win the national championship in 2014, going back, you know, three, four years later and saying, you know, trying to pretend that it didn't happen. Like what kind of punishment is that? You know? Yeah. I mean, look, you just go to you go to a strip club one time and you get labeled an asshole. I just don't understand it. Um, they shouldn't. I mean, they should never strip that stuff. I, I hate when they strip championships just because. Uh, even you look at you look to football and you look at look at USC and, and Reggie Bush and you look at University of Miami, and and yeah. sure, you know they did some bad things, but at the end of the day, a players should get paid, but b it's. Like all the hard work that they put into it, those were some extremely good teams. They provided a ton of entertainment for people. They made millions of dollars for the NCAA, and the NCAA just decided to strip them of all all of the successes they had just because they had the power to. And that's just what's so disgusting about it. And I think the one movement we can all agree on is that payers need to be played. Uh, Players need to be paid so that we can get back NCAA football video games. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want that, but there's no right answer on how to pay players. It just – it won't happen because you're opening Pandora's box, dude. Like, if you want to pay players based on revenue, then it becomes like a Title IX issue with, you know – well, you know, why are the basketball players getting paid and not like the women's basketball players? It's like, well – one sport generates revenue, the other doesn't. And that is – I mean, look what's happening with the U.S. like uh, soccer federation. Like the women's, the women's soccer team yeah. you know, yeah. arguing for better pay, all this stuff. It's, uh, it's just a slippery slope, and I don't think the NCAA is ever going to entertain it because there literally is not a perfect answer. And Well, I think the yeah. – I think the the right answer is definitely through endorsements. I don't think they. I don't know if they should pay them directly, but just let them make an earning off their own image. Because I'm cool with that. That would. Yeah, I think. Yeah. No. Sorry. I, I think that that's my stance on the whole thing because, as you said, Title Nine. I mean, that will. If it's, it's like you'll never. You'll, you're you're going to find yourself in a pile of lawsuits from like the women's crew team if if you just start paying them. But if if you just let the players try to make some money off their own image, sell ads, do what they want to. And, and make some earnings off their off their image, then you're going to be able to open back up NCAA football. You're going to, if you want to, if the if the school goes up to you and says, "Hey, we'd like to sell your jersey," they could probably cut a deal with that individual player and say, "Like, okay, I'll let you, I'll let you sell you know my jersey with like a one percent." See, I, I'm not cool is. with that. I'm not like I think if it's if you're doing it with the school, that's problematic, and the same reason why I think like. You're gonna well, have my my biggest issue is then I think you you really 
shake up the balance of power when you have teams that or schools that can like what Texas A&M, for example, or UT, like some of these powerhouses. Hey, you come here. You're a five star quarterback. You want to sell your jersey at the gift shop? We'll give you 20 percent. Dude, that. Why would you go to like, why would you not go to Texas versus like, let's say you have a better opportunity at Houston, you know, where football's yeah, not quite point. as big, something like that. Now, if you're allowing the players to make money off selling their own jerseys or signing autographs, whatever, I'm cool with that. But I don't think you can incorporate it with the school. As long as you separate the two, I think at least you can keep a balance of power. And as long as everyone in the NCAA can do it, that's fair to me. Just you can't incorporate it with the school. Yeah, it's, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, as that that's kind of like where it comes to just the schools individually playing payer, play, paying players. I keep messing that up. If you uh, if you do that, then you're right. I mean, small schools. And even when you go down, you see like he, at the FCS level, you see uh, players that are in the FBS that want to come down to play just to, to get an opportunity to start maybe or, you know, whatever. And you're not you wouldn't see that anymore if if it comes down to money, because the bigger schools are always going to have more money to pay the players in the smaller schools. So it, it's really, it would really make it, it would be a competitive issue, I think as well. Yeah. As long as the balance of play is not affected, I'm down, but I just, I fear for that. I think, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Look, the balance of play already is awful. You see the same teams. I mean, how many teams have made it to the college football playoff every year? It's been like the same, maybe it's same four teams and, and Alabama, Alabama, Clemson, Clemson <laughs> Georgia sometimes, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Ohio State, LSU this year, occasionally maybe a Pac-12 team, and that's it. That's I just listed off six teams. So you can't tell me that the balance of power is already incredible when there's only six teams that make it consistently to the football playoff. So at the end of the day, there's always going to there's always going to be maybe 10 teams that are going to be competitive year after year after year. But uh, so I don't really see that the fact that I don't really see make players making endorsements being a problem with the balance of power in, in NCAA football. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair, fair point. I mean, you don't see any teams other than the, the usual teams. I mean, I think that was the argument when Alabama and Clemson played in the college football playoffs four years in a row. So, no, I, I agree. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about the NBA playoffs. Stick around. Bleeds podcast talking a little NBA. Uh, they're coming back. Adam Silver uh, finally announced the league's plan for return. Um, Kuzi, you want to go ahead and explain kind of what's going on for us? All right. Okay. So the teams that are within six games of A place have all been invited for a 22 team uh, like tournament slash playoffs in Orlando. Uh, if a team finishes within four games of ninth place or of eighth place, then they'll have like a one game playoff 
to determine who gets in the playoffs. They're going to play eight regular season games, and then the season's over, and we proceed. Yeah, I uh, I think that was all a big thing to get Zion into the playoffs. Uh, Which is good. We'll see. I think that's going to be entertaining. At, at, at the very least, it's going to be entertaining. I think it'll be a lot like an AAU tournament. Like I was kind of hoping that they would just play all – you know how, like, in, if you've ever been to an AAU tournament, they'll have, like – six basketball courts all playing in like one big arena. Cause they literally do that at the whose fucking notification was that? Um, they literally play all in the same area, like six courts next to each other. So I was kind of hoping like you'd be watching a game and you just heard a whistle from the other court and like <laughs> players would like shit talk each other across <laughs> courts after they play that. That's what kind of was I, that, what I was hoping, but now they're also talking about teams bringing down their own like home courts it's like, what the fuck? What, that's not going to pass. Well, it's like, what the fuck? A, that's such a hassle. Like, just such unnecessary hassle. And B, yeah. there's no home court. Of I, I feel like yeah, the team that would, like, do something fucking sketchy with the floors would definitely just get the Celtics, though. Those, like, fucking square plots <laughs> of wood. Piles, yeah. yeah. But other than that, <sighs> it makes no sense. Dude, I not actually don't think those things are that hard to transport. But it's like uh, harder. It's harder than not transporting them. Like <laughs> my thing is like, who cares? Yeah, like, what, exactly. what does it That's matter? <laughs> yeah, just keep the NBA logo in the middle and then just let everybody play. Like that's the way that I see yeah. it. And like they're talking about like even like for like a home court advantage, adding like a seventh foul until you get fouled out. Like that's that's just excessive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they should make it like three fouls until you foul out. Like really make it weird, you know? Yeah, it's so crazy. The thing is, for me, if, I, if I'm like the Suns, right? The Suns and the like Spurs, they both got an invitation to come, right? But I wouldn't, I yeah. would not want to be in their position because, like, you look at my team, the Warriors, right? We're going to have they, Steph Curry got injured, Clay Thompson got injured. We got off in March. And so we're going to have an extra, like, three months of the offseason to recover. There's no fucking way the Suns are going to make the playoffs. Like, I get, like, NBA teams. As we talked about with baseball, yeah, baseball teams can get hot. But in the NBA, the better team pretty much always wins. So if I'm one of these teams like Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, like I do not want to be there. Even the the Wizards. The Wizards, I mean, like they're, they're what, five and a half games out? That's going to be so hard to cover up in, in eight games. Yeah. They yeah. need to come out of the gates hot, like right yeah, away. Yeah, and – I mean, some of these teams are literally going to have to go like eight and zero in those eight games to give themselves a chance. It's just kind of a waste of exactly. everyone's time, I think. I, I mean, I that's why I, that's why I'm confident the NBA definitely. I mean, they should have just done. They literally should have just done full disclosure, like that. Just be absolutely as biased as possible and just say, hey, we're going to go down to New, we're just going to invite New Orleans as like as like a ninth alternate team. Because <laughs> if I'm any of those other teams, I they might want to play just because you know basketball is going to be back. But if you're a GM or an owner right now, you're probably saying like, this is really pointless. I mean, yes, we want the game of basketball back, but I don't want my players to get injured and I want them to have more time to rest up for next season. You know? I mean, I don't think you're wrong, but like, I also think they made the right call. You know, it's the, it's a way to keep it competitive. I think it's definitely going to be something that people are going to want to tune in to see. Like you, you're, you know, you got Devin Booker and De- DeAndre Aiden there in Phoenix. Like, they're not going to make it, but they're going to provide an entertaining game for whoever they play against. Yeah. You get what and I'm what's saying? Nice, it's going to be high school. What's nice about it, too, is it with the eight regular season games, it's almost like the entire rest of the season or whatever you want to call it is going to be 
the playoffs because you know once it gets down to the wire, you're probably I, I have a feeling like those the teams that are that are already seated are probably gonna end up staying where they're at. But I mean, if if we're you know if it's like Portland's you know tied up with Memphis at the end of, like at seventh game or whatever to watch all these playing games, it's gonna be interesting to watch as opposed to an 82 game season, the eight game season really make sure like it'll draw so much more attention because every game is going to matter so much more. Yeah. I just think Memphis is on the hot seat, to be honest. I think that they got hot early. They, you know, they benefited from Zion sitting at the beginning of the year, but you got Portland and new Orleans right there, breathing down their necks for that eight spot. And I don't think it's far fetched to think that they catch up with Memphis in those eight games. I love Jado. I think he's so fucking good. But what oh, about yeah. the rest of the team? I don't know the rest of the team, dude. <laughs> I, I've been so locked out of basketball this year. I mean, which is kind of nice. Like, oh, that's, that's what I was saying about, like, even the to go back to Hornets talk. Like, the problem with them, right, is that, like, you, you can't you can't stop. You can't just stop watching them, right? Cause Why? They're, they're just like... – well, because if you're a fan of that team, if you're a fan of that team, right, they're just like – Just and pick another example. There's this – like... <laughs> But for me, it's just like, oh yeah, we're already like, I we lost like thirty fucking straight games. I was just like, oh yeah, I just can clock out. Versus other, I'm I'm kind of happy about that. Other teams just have to watch their teams bleed out all season. All right, let me ask you guys, wh- which top team do you think has the best chance to lose right out of the gate? Like lose. Yeah, like losing yeah. the first no. round. Yeah. yeah, like what? What kind what, of question what, what, is that? Question, like lose a game, lose the first round of playoffs. Like lose, like, like, like lose fall out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, literally like, all lose? Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Lakers, Clippers are in a clinch. It's like I don't know. I could see. I could see. Dallas has been playing really well. Dallas, no, that was Dallas, be my pick. Dallas is the seventh seed. Like, there's not yeah, like a. I'm talking about like a. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. more like Toronto or Boston. Like, I well, won't. No, I, I, like I wouldn't be surprised. To like, see Toronto, like the Toronto team, I just, I, I know they're like good. They win games, but I don't I'm know. Not, it's just, I'm not it's not the same. Uh, yeah, I was gonna go with Toronto too. I think Toronto's just well coached, but I just, I think that they're a team that needs time to kind of gel together and put together that winning effort on the court. And I just don't think they have enough time to. <laughs> you know, catch up and, like, you see, I could see the Heat, the Pacers, the Sixers, all giving the Raptors a run for their money in the playoffs. All right, so I'm looking at the standings, and they basically invited teams that were within six games of the last playoff spot, and the Hornets are only seven games out, and I don't want to say that, you know, it just feels like, like, how convenient of a number. Just, you know what, like, fuck the Hornets, like, no, Kuzi, it's because literally nobody want, wants to watch yeah. the Hornets. Like, they were just, like, trying to do everybody a no, favor, I think, I think, by not including them because no one Everyone knows that there's, you know, people just hate the Hornets, dude. Whatever. Bu- Wait, what is – they call them Buzz City, right? Wait, what's, what's like, a Hornets thing to say? Like, what are they – like, you know how every team kind of has, like, a little catchphrase? Yeah, I mean, Buzz City is, like, uh, what they call it. Like, but the nickname of our arena, they call it the Hive. Nice. So, I'm a hybrid. Well, now guy. now it's called the Cable Box because it was Time Warner Cable Arena, but now it's the Spectrum <laughs> Center. So it's just like <laughs> the old arena though was called the Hive back in the '90s when it was rad, and now yeah they call it the Spectrum Center. But it was almost cooler before when it was Time Warner Cable Arena, and they're like, 
oh, you know, game six at the cable box. We only had one game six there ever, so I'm just referencing that. You know, but I, I can I think, enjoy it. I think Hornets talk is my new favorite segment, to be honest. Every time we bring up the NBA from now on, I'm bringing that up too. Yep, talk about the most irrelevant organization in basketball. I like Dude, my, uh, my first ever Hornets jersey, number 14, Anthony Mason. Here's the thing. We're going to make the Hornets more relevant. RIP. Because as you keep saying, if something's irrelevant, then it becomes relevant. Yeah. So, you're welcome, Kuzi. We're, we're putting the Hornets on our back, and we're going to take them yeah. to relevance. So right. no one can take the Hornets to relevance. Now that uh, yeah, now that we're done discussing the Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick quick break. When we come back, we're gonna go back to talking a little bit more about some college football. We got a new segment here. It's going to be best fan experiences. We're going to do kind of different things with it each week uh, where we talk about different experiences that we've had in our times as fans. But uh, this week we're going to start off with with best tailgate experience. So, Nick, you want to go ahead and lead us off? Yeah, so I've had a lot of fun at tailgates. I will say the one that definitely stood out to me would have to be – it sucks that I have to say this because Wisconsin ended up losing this game. But it honestly was absolutely exhilarating. I went to down the Rose Bowl. Koozie was also there, but didn't want to say hi to me. And Liar. so I I pulled up at probably, I think we left our hotel at 5 a.m. And we got to the stadium probably at 6, set up really early, set up barbecue, started drinking on the spot, just getting absolutely hammered, drinking mimosas. And across the way, there were some girls that like we made friends with pretty quickly. They were old Wisconsin alums. And so they called me over to play flip cup with them and they sucked at flip cup. Just quite frankly, they sucked at flip cup, but I was the ringer of the team. It'd just be like, okay, I, I would literally like just catch up for them. Just I'd pound my drink, flip it. Boom. We're done. And then I was like, okay, I got to get back to my family. And they would keep like just scorning me. They're like, no, you stay here. And I was just like, shit okay fine <laughs> they were literally keeping me hostage at one point i was like i really gotta go to the bathrooms try to go to the porta potties like no go behind the car i was like yes master so i went pee behind the cars and either way and it, my friends ended up coming through like i had like a lot of my fraternity brothers there a bunch of girls ended from school like we had a whole kind of tailgate at the scene i ended up getting hammered by the time we get to the gates of the rose bowl and the line is just long as hell. Like it's probably a thirty-minute, one-hour line to just get into the game. That's why you get there. And so I just thought, and so I just thought, okay, no, it was. I don't even. I think we got there like mid-first. Like we got into the line like mid-first corner. Try to snake it through. I was like, right, it's cool. We'll just cut everybody. All I just keep here is like, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. As I'm cutting through the line. <laughs> Just absolutely hammered, lights on, no one's home. And 
then some like I run into I, I get up there run into an Oregon fan like we just just a random stranger bump into him and he's like yo what's up dude and I'm like hey and we become quick friends and then he says hey you want to hit this it's dab pen hit the dab pen I'm out I'm just like I don't like fall over but like I don't remember anything that happened until then I was just my sister said I was in the stands I was standing with us with her and some of my other buddies they said I was just swaying back and forth, kind of looking at the game and kind of just like blinking for like three seconds at a time. Anyways, I finally come to second half and this is where it was like the best day. And then just boom, worst day ever. Second half, we ended up, we ended up losing the game and I was just so absolutely just demolished that I just started crying and I was like, fuck, I gotta go home. So walk back to the car and just, it was just one of the best days turned into one of the worst days. Maybe not the best tailgate I've I've been to, but one of the most memorable for sure. I mean, I've had some great ones at Wisconsin, especially Michigan last year where we just paraded Michigan fans 24-7. But that was definitely the one that stuck on my mind the most. All right, Gonzo, what you got for your best tailgate story? Yeah, so my best tailgate story is actually in a pro atmosphere more so than college. So I went with a couple buddies over to Dallas, Texas last November to go see the Dallas Cowboys play against the Minnesota Vikings on Veterans Day weekend. It was my first time over in Dallas, and we were kind of exploring the city. Our hotel was right by this area that's called Deep Alum. I could be uh, mispronouncing that, but that's the way that we pronounced it over there. And we actually stumbled upon this little bar um, in this in Deep Alum that's called Dots. They had six, six, six drink specials. It was like $3 wells like $4 IPAs. So we woke up early Sunday morning because it was a Sunday night game. We went, we posted up there for, I don't know, I'd say the the one o'clock and the four o'clock Sunday games. Maybe had like 15, 20 drinks left there. Went to AT&T Stadium. It was an electric atmosphere. We pulled up about like two hours before the start of the game. Jack Daniels was hosting a tailgate party that we went to got some more drinks, went inside. The atmosphere in AT&T Stadium is, it, it, you won't find it anywhere else. And then after the game, even though unfortunately the Cowboys lost, we walked directly over to Texas Live, which was an absolute madhouse. It was nothing but sports bars, people standing on tables with, you know, <laughs> pitches of beer singing Sweet Caroline, even though the Cowboys lost in embarrassing fashion. But yeah, man, that that whole that whole trip, that whole atmosphere, it's it's definitely up there with one of the best uh, sports stories that I've been a part of. I love how like ev- literally every one of our tailgate stories, our team ended up losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'd love for once for like it, you know, for it to go through swimmingly. Like we have an awesome tailgate, then we win at the end. Like it's it sucks, man. We all root for shit teams. I- I'm kind of torn here, so. Should I go SMU tailgate or do I want to just go like my favorite or one of my favorites? Because I think your favorite. All right. Well, for most memorable, I think we said know if it's my favorite, favorite, but this is definitely my most memorable. Uh, This was two years ago, uh, college football, like our tailgate tour. It was Clemson A and M at A and M, and you know we had our whole tailgate set up with kegs and you know shirts to give out, and absolute torrential downpour 
And we were like, we were worried all morning, like, dude, no one's going to show up. But the rain kind of held up for a little bit. So we probably had like 200 people there and then just everywhere. I mean, it was like knocking down the like overhangings on our trailers, all this stuff. But basically everyone was stuck there. So it was like, where are you going to go? You're stuck here. Like you're drinking our beer. We had a great time and people were just getting doused because like they have these awnings over the trailer and like every 15 minutes, one would just get like too full of water and it would just kind of collapse on the side. And there would always be someone like unsuspecting standing right there, just absolutely doused. But you know what? Like everyone was so wet. It was kind of like, who gives a fuck? Like people are like sliding in the mud, just everyone having a good time. And that was a, a very pure, just fun tailgate. Uh, I, th- I will say though, at the end of the day, that we were so wet. I was like, we had tickets for the game. I spent like 150 bucks on it, and I was like, oh. I don't even want to go to the game anymore. I just gave my ticket to like this random kid, so <laughs> kind of regretted that because I think A and M lost like 28 26. It was a really good game, but I was sitting there like in our hotel with Woody, and I was like, I really don't wish i was there i'm like very content being here the tailgate enough was was fun but uh, that was a very memorable ignorant experience watts have you had a snow game also alden you could probably answer this plenty yeah all the time oh okay yeah. well you don't have to yeah, make it sound we, like an we idiot. Had, uh... i was just hoping for well, like no no i mean so <laughs> we had three last yeah, year i mean snow games are uh... Like they're fine. Snow games are better than rain games, without a doubt. For sure, because because the snow does not get you as no, wet, this is... and the, the rain just it's just like you don't want to sit in the sand drenched. If you're wearing like you know some nice jacket or, or something like that and, and jersey over it, then it, it's it's reasonable. Um, but then you know after a while you're just kind of like, all right, I'd rather just go inside the bar and leave the game. You know. The, this is good. So it was in the in the second round of the playoffs this last year. It was uh, a home game for us uh, in the playoffs, and we were playing Southeastern Louisiana in in the playoffs. And this is in December, so like these kids have like never even seen snow. So they come rolling up here, and I was there like pregame, uh, and when they were coming out onto the field, they were all like coming out with like no shirts on and stuff like that, and. The, I didn't see one player last for more than like two or three minutes. And then they'd be like running back into the locker room and they, and then like in the official warmups, like right before the game started, they were all like, you know, talking trash and like coming up to the, to the student section and like, like running their mouths, just like absolute, just being absolute assholes. Uh, And then by the time the second quarter hit, they were all like huddled together next to the heater on the sideline. They were losing by 30 points. (laughs) <laughs> and then literally by the end of the game, some of the players had gone into the locker room before the game was over because we won 73 to 28. So some of the players had literally wow. left the field before the game was even over because it was snowing. I, I, I actually think Alden – I think Alden definitely gets worse weather than here in Wisconsin, which is pretty amazing. I mean, it definitely snows more where Alden is. I will say it's, it's, it is – the coolest part about snow games is when the tailgate is just like decent weather – and you can darty outside like before the game starts, and then all of a sudden it'll be like 
second or third quarter and it'll just start kind of like lightly snowing and it looks really cool down camp randall and there's just like thousands of fans and it, it looks really awesome when the snow falls mid-game because then whenever it falls we pretty much always have the advantage so it's nice yeah oh, but yeah. you have to claim russell wilson yeah we'll take snow which, like, what? you have to claim russell wilson no, I don't. Cl- I do. I do not claim Russell Wilson. We, we've. My friends and I have talked about this. We do not claim Russell Wilson. He's such uh, a dork. Like, I don't know. He, I think he, you kind of have to. That's where he finished his career, dude, dude. Dude, the thing is, is he never shouts out Wisconsin, anyways. Like JJ Watt. Like we'll claim all the Watt brothers. We claim Gord- Melvin Gordon. We'll claim Ron Dane. We'll claim all those guys. But we we look. I like. I I don't like Russell Wilson. If it helps. If it helps our case, like, oh, you, you, you want to be a successful quarterback, come here because Russell Wilson played here, fine, I'll take that, but I don't claim him. All right. Well, uh, I mean, you're, you're RBU, you know. It started with Ron Dane. The and GOAT. We probably, got, we probably got more. Is Ron Dane the only player to ever win a Heisman at, for Wisconsin? Yeah. And based, the funniest part about Ron Dane – it just goes to show you, like, it doesn't matter whether you do well in the pros or not. If you win a Heisman, like, he makes his his bread and butter is just walking around Madison, Wisconsin, just kind of. Like, oh yeah, he legend. just he just lives. Yeah, it's like it's exactly legend. Reliving the it's glory not even days. That, but like his he never like he will never be poor again in his life just because he won the Heisman for University of Wisconsin. Like, it doesn't matter what he does. Yeah. So I mean, that's a pretty awesome life. If Ron you know? Day was an alcoholic. Like, he could just live in Madison and like never have to worry about it. People, Ron Dane, I'm getting <laughs> exactly. you a drink. Honestly, that'd be a <laughs> exactly. good move. If I won the Heisman and I was a drunkard, I would just fucking lurk. Yeah, dude. Without, I mean, he shows up to like pretty much every single game. It's almost, I feel like every single halftime ceremony is like, like Ron Dane. Dane. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, we've done that like nine times this season. <laughs> And like exactly. four times last year. It's like, how many times are we going to honor this guy? It's like, as many as he fucking he wants, all right? He won the Heisman. Dude, I think the most badass shit on, on earth is the fact that there's a Barry Alvarez statue outside of Camp Randall. Like that. And he's still alive. He's still very much alive. Imagine how, like, Dude. imagine how, I don't even know if he's. If you get a, high, if you get a statue himself. while you're still alive, you made it. You made, and not only that, but like. You walk by that statue every single day to work. Like yep. he walks by it every single day. He goes. He goes. Dude, to he comes by just, early and polishes like, yeah. it. He's like, ooh, to make sure that I need that extra shine up there. <laughs> Dude, Barry Alvarez is like Tony Soprano of, of the University of Wisconsin. You do not want to fuck with Barry Alvarez because he will like every single time. So we don't have varsity baseball here and the club baseball team is really trying to petition to do it and it's literally just because barry alvarez doesn't want the baseball team and it's like he hold, he has held the grudge for like 20 years now and will just he ha, he will have absolutely none of it and everybody just listens to him he's like okay well he is the savior of wisconsin sports so we're just not gonna have baseball <laughs> what's his well, grudge the, against i want to hear who is wisconsin who is montana's legend like <laughs> All right, you you guys are gonna love. The, so literally every year they trot this like seventy year old dude. Dave, Dave fucking Dickinson. Out, out. I can. That's a name I can get behind. 
You tell me Dave Dickinson's like flipping he, the coin uh, before the game. I'm there. Oh yeah, this they they bring him out. They they like bring this guy out there literally every year for at least one game, sometimes more. And uh he I guess like he was the quarterback when Montana won their first national championship and he wasn't even good then. So I don't know. I guess it's just because he was the quarterback and he didn't, he never played in the NFL. I think he played oh, in like, he won the 2006 great cup. Like, in the... oh. Yeah. Canadian legend right here. <laughs> wow. I'm looking him up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Dave Dickens. Oh, Dave, the five eleven. Yeah. He, uh, East. <laughs> <laughs> And like I said, like they were re-showing that national championship game on on TV like a month or so ago. And in that national championship game, he went like 14 for 31 with like 100 yards and two interceptions. (laughs) Yo, he was a third-string quarterback for the Chargers in 2001. People forget that. So he did make it to the league. It might no. Huh. It, it may guess it goes to show how much Montana kids know. I bet you. Dickinson. I bet you the Chargers weren't even in the NFL at that time. It may have been like the AFL or something like that. Dude, you know what's crazy is Dave Dickinson in two thousand in the CFL threw for forty six hundred yards, thirty six touchdowns, and six picks, and he left to go spend two years in the NFL, not record a single stat, just like being a backup quarterback for two years, and then he came back. <laughs> First year back, 5,400 yards, 36 touchdowns. Like, he's like, I still got it, bitches. Y'all forgot about me. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we oh, got to put totally some agree. respect on Dave Dickinson. I totally name. agree. Wait, now he's a coach. Now he coaches in the CFL. Was he? Yeah, dude. He won the Grey Cup in 2018. Alden, what the fuck? Wow. Alden. Is there anything I'm this guy can't do? my knowledge of Dave Dickinson. <laughs> The 1995 double A college football championship. Then he goes and wins one as a player in Canada. And then, wait, he's in the college football hall of fame and the Canadian football hall of fame. Wait, wait, wait. I'm seeing here. uh, He cured cancer. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Yo, I think this, we need to get the, I I bet we can get Dave Dickinson on the pod. We can definitely get Dave. Wait, how old? No, I might, I might have to read out to my insider Alden, sources. Oh, he was seventy years old. Yeah. He's he looked like it when he came out onto the field. He's forty-seven. What the fuck are you talking about? He's it, wait. Oh, he's no. forty-seven. He's an old yeah, forty-seven. One of his pictures. Okay, really? Yeah, he's like he's forty-seven. Oh going yeah, on he like is 70. an old forty-seven. I see what you're saying, dude. He's I got he's got some wear on those tires, yeah. you know, Dave. I mean, he's seen it all. Oh yeah. NFL, CFL, uh, Montana, like hey, he no, graduated no with a winner. 4.0. <laughs> I mean, this guy. I mean, he he went to Montana though, yeah, so that's I mean, it's... well, no, that's from high school. Yeah, no, and yeah, like literally everyone graduates with a 4.0 in high school if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. so Kuzi, who's who's the SMU legend? Which one, uh, dude? Do they have dude, one? Dude, what the fuck are you talking? Earl about? Dickerson, Dickerson, Craig James, <laughs> Emmanuel they, Sanders. They bring, they bring him back. Uh, well, now I'm not gonna say a certain wide receiver who used to play for the Cowboys and now plays for the Bills, who is absolutely disgraced on this pod. And by old row, fuck him. 
but yeah, I mean, Eric Dickerson and Craig James, aka the Pony Express, back when SMU was, you know, perennial national title contenders. But uh, yeah, then I guess you know the NCAA was like, oh, you can't buy cars for your recruits. You know, you can't give them forty forty thousand dollars in cash in a duffel bag. Like, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. <laughs> like, <sighs> well, that that's also complete bullshit because all of those all of those teams and what was it what was it called back then like the Texas eight like those the, the, the all those Texas teams. It was the was uh, Southwestern called? Conference. It was like Arkansas, yeah, those, SMU, all... Texas, A and M. Yeah, I mean all the all the big boys. And I mean all those schools were paying them. SMU was just the best team. Like that's why it's so bullshit. Yeah, they made an example out of us. That's kind of a reoccurring theme here. Yeah. Now, now, Kuzi, I mean, I, I'm not like throwing shade at all. It's a genuine question. Like, does does anyone like care about SMU football? Like, do they sell out their seniors? Um, like, how? What is the, all right? What is so the down there, do they? We didn't before my freshman year of college. We went 25 years without going to a bowl game, and then when I was there, we went to a bowl game all four years, and. There was like that mini revival and like then we had like a eight I don't know well not that long but we had like after I graduated there was like a brief period of just like mediocrity and you know last year I think we finished 10 and 3 um the yeah. the athletic department is doing like a really yeah. good job to try and revitalize like the fan base so or like where we tailgates called the Boulevard. They moved that closer to the stadium. They started selling beer in the stadium. Uh, and I mean, the biggest thing is like, you need a good product on the field. Uh, last year's like attendance was the best I've ever seen it. Uh, they're, they're doing all the right things to try and make SMU football attractive again. But you know, it's, it's kind of tough when you're just in a conference that isn't that relevant. You know, like, I mean, even if SMU yeah. had gone undefeated right. last year, like, we're not going to be in the playoff. So, that that's, like, that's rough, especially a few years ago when the Big 12 was expanding. Uh, I thought we had a really good case to get in. But, you know, the powers that be, like the Texas, the Oklahomas, they don't want another team from Texas, especially Dallas, to be in the Big 12, that's just like a recruiting obstacle. So, base. yeah, it's like why why would we vote for that? So, we're kind of handicapped by that. But um, I don't know. I, I'm pretty optimistic about where we're going. We've got a great coach in Sonny Dykes. Like he absolutely kills the transfer market. He's finally recruiting Dallas. When I graduated, we had one player on our team from Dallas. They, like on you know on the entire team, one player went to high school in Dallas. Yeah, that is Yikes. ridiculous. Like, but yeah. also June Jones, our former coach, just like literally gave up at one point on recruiting. He he fucking mailed it. He, <laughs> June Jones, he was he was in the exit. Yeah, exit I mean he's right? he's been around. He's a he's a coaching whore, as I like to describe him. But uh, yeah, I mean it's. It's one of those jobs that, like, definitely has a ceiling, but you know, things can change. Well, I think I think what I think SMU. What I saw from them last year, I think it was good. I, I, do you think that like 
we're even gonna be if better you this year too. Even yeah, even if you're in a shit conference, the way you kind of gain a fan base and get more fans to pay attention is with those like explosive yeah. offenses. And I just thought I I like that's what SMU had last year, and that's that's how you're gonna keep growing. I mean, if you look at like in the past, like the teams that moved to to bigger conferences, I remember like TCU and like. I mean, it's so weird saying this, but like Andy Dalton, like that TCU offense is pretty ridiculous, like pretty good, um, and like they won the Rose yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Like come twice. on, Alden, that's that's <laughs> yeah. that's a cruel mention right there. That's, that's not that's yeah, that's not. That's, I know that's it's a low blow. <laughs> I think they beat Wisconsin. I think I think they beat Wisconsin once. Wisconsin went to three straight Rose Bowls. They lost to TCU and I think Stanford twice. It was fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> so. Maybe they won one. I forget if they beat Stanford one of the years, but either way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like SMU would definitely be on the rise. The, the only ceiling they have, of course, is that they're a private school. And, like, just in general, it's hard to get as big of a fan base from a private school than a public school. So, Yeah, I think that was a good discussion. I think we really got to get Dave Dickinson on here. I'm going to work on that. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... So we're going to go take one last quick break, and when we come back, we'll wrap things up with the mailbag. towards the end of the second episode of the Nosebleeds podcast. We got our mailbag segment. Mailbag. Uh, we're going to start it off here. Koozie, uh, someone asked about Cam Newton's landing spots. Where do you think Cam's going? Uh, I mean, at this point, I think it's just injury dependent. Like, I thought New England or San Diego, like, made sense. But uh, San Diego is good with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. And I guess, like, Stidham... I, I don't know. I think the Patriots are kind of like, we'll roll with Stidham or we'll be bad and we'll set ourselves up for a great quarterback draft. But I don't know. Cam's in like a pretty unfortunate situation where he probably doesn't want to take the Jameis route where he's going to be a backup. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, the the twenty MV, the 2015 MVP shouldn't have to do that. So I think it's wait and see. Somebody will get hurt. I still think Chicago could be a potential landing spot, even though they traded for Nick Foles. But uh, I don't know. I'd, how about Carolina? Come back, can we miss? I you? think, dude. I, I think. <laughs> I think. The, the, by the way, the Patriots. I think they're they got so they're getting so cocky. They think they can do it once, and they think they can do it again. I don't look. I'm not saying that Sidham can't be a good quarterback, but they're they're just they're just flying a little too close to the sun right now where I think Belichick is a little bit too confident in what he can do and yes he's probably the best coach of all time Brady best quarterback of all time though and I think they're undervaluing what Brady brought to the franchise so I'd really be curious to see if this um, experiment experiment works out for them and at the end of the day if it doesn't though the thing is even if the Patri- even if the Patriots tank they're not going to use their first round draft picks like they'll trade them and fuck around with them, but tanking's just not really in their model they run with. Not trying to go off topic of Cam Newton, but yeah, 
No, Nick, yeah, I, I, I want your opinion, Nick, because if you if I had to put money on it, I'd say that Cam Newton, I don't think he's washed out, but I don't think he's MVP Heisman Trophy winning Cam Newton anymore. I think he needs to go somewhere where there's already like an established winning culture and a team that's ready to win that might not necessarily be sold on their starting quarterback. 49ers. So say it. I, no. I like the Fuck 49ers. Yes. Cam yes. Oh, yes. You, you said yes. Cam Newton yes. 49ers? Yes. Nick, are you gonna sit here and and say that Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback? Uh, Porn star Jimmy. Here's the thing, he. So you look at the league, right? There aren't a lot of good quarterbacks. If you look at quarterback rankings, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably number fifteen. I'm not saying fifteen's good, but if you look at other starting quarterbacks across the league, you can safely say he is middle of the road, average quarterback. Can clearly get the job done. <laughs> I mean, like versus Cam Newton. Cam Newton, obviously. What are you? What are you laughing about? What are you laughing about? What you're like? He's a middle of the road, average quarterback. As if it's like, I mean, look at like this Dude, guy. That's good. Guy. That's good. Yeah, like, it's look, if you look middle of the road, league, it's like average like, to me. The quarterbacks, the quarterbacks. Dude, that was the least ringing endorsement shit. of your own quarterback I've ever heard. Dude, he still took us to the Super Bowls. <laughs> good enough. Kyle Shanahan, like, is a fucking amazing coach. If you look across the league, so we got like. Baker Mayfield shit, like I don't. Kyler Murray's all right, still prospect. Whoa, I think Kyler like, Murray is a fucking dude. Joe, Joe Flacco is still getting paid by people. Like all these, Mitch Trubisky's <laughs> god awful. Are we, uh, okay, I'm like, just gonna go down the list, but I'm just like I'm saying like so it's all relative. So like Jimmy G in the offense, it works, and yeah, I like Cam. I actually still think Cam has stuff left in the tank, but the the 49ers don't need a quarterback that can take risks. The rest of our team is so so well built around Jimmy Garoppolo that Shanahan can use him as like his his little puppet and Shanahan can pull the strings of the offense and we should be fine. Versus you take a guy like Cam, it's going to be a lot more you're going to be taking a lot more risks. He's not going to have I don't I don't think Cam has as good of accuracy, but either way, like I I like I, think- I like Cam a lot. Maybe a couple years ago, would I have signed him? Yeah, and I hope he gets signed to a team because I think he deserves to be a starter. But I just don't think he's the right fit for the Forty Niners. Yeah, Nick, I agree. I agree with what you were saying earlier. I would not be surprised to see Cam end up in New England because I'm not sold that that Stidham experiment's going to work. Like, I I don't understand why they're putting all their eggs in that basket in a guy that has like that's not proven at all. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam. If he doesn't get signed before the season, if in the middle of the season, if Stidham's not working out, if the Patriots, I mean, take for him. me too. If if I'm uh, look in Chicago, you still have Pace and Nagy there. They're fucking terrible. For those two guys, it's like, <laughs> dude, it's now or never. Never like you gotta like the like Dude's, they should they should sign Cam Newton because if it works out, they're gonna get no higher. People. If it works out, then that's another five years of a secure job or whatever it is. But there's no way that Chicago's bringing on Cam Newton, though. Chicago has Mitch Trubisky, and they just acquired. Um, I know, and I'm Nick saying, is, I'm saying it was such a him. dumb decision for yeah. them to do that. Because guess what? Nick, we already know what Nick Foles is. We 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 definitely know what Trubisky is. There. What do you think? Next year, all of a sudden, just like poof, they're gonna be good again? Like no, that's just not how it fucking works. You know, nothing's changed in their like any of their system. So. I, that's why if, if I was them, I would never have traded for Foles. I would have gotten Cam Newton, try to bring at least some splash to just the team in general, sell some more jerseys, try to save your job. 
Meanwhile, they have, they you know they just decided, decided to trade for another bland quarterback to complement their other bland quarterback, and then they're going to be stuck in the same hole and they're going to get fired. So, all right, now we got a voicemail from a student at Southern Alabama. Let's roll it. Hey, what's up, guys? I figured I would throw in my two cents on the uh, on the mailbag segment. So mine is for the incoming freshmen to always pay your dues. So when I was a pledge uh, my freshman year. My fraternity house had to replace its island countertop piece in the kitchen a few years back. Uh, it was because one of our guys was fucking on it and slammed this girl's ass on the granite so hard that it broke it in half. So moral of the story is always pay your dues and don't use cheap granite. Go Jags. Jeez. <laughs> and that's for story time. <laughs> I don't even know where to like go from there. Like, <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that's like that's pretty aggressive. Like I, I feel like I would I'd like to know how exactly that happened. Like how do you, man? I don't know. Like how you do you want video proof? Is that what you're asking? What's that? That you want video proof? No, I mean I just like I feel like we gotta get this person on and like figure out like how that happened. I don't understand how you can. Uh, <laughs> How you can break a countertop, man! It's almost sounds like minor assault. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of episode two of the Nosebleeds, presented by Old Row Sports. Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Old Row Nosebleeds, uh, and you can DM us any mailbag questions you have. Also, now you can leave us messages for us to play over the air at our voicemail line. That number for that line is four zero six. 616-2280 so you can send us uh, voice messages about literally anything and everything and uh, we'll pick some to play over the air each week um, and uh, thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week love you guys <laughs>